Hello and welcome back to Tani Talks Life, the TTL, the year where we talk a topic per session with some practical lessons. Tonight's topic is shine a little light in your life. All podcasts are on all podcast forums except for the TTD, which is Tani Talks Stuff, which is on sheerenjoyment.com, but all the other ones, the TTP, the TTL, TTO team, TTPA, they're all on different podcast forums. You could also just Google and find it there. Shout out to Jake W. and Ellie N. for all their wonderful and hard work on sheer enjoyment. And the sheer should be a zechus for the Yeshua and refuah for anyone who needs it and anyone who wants it. Again, God willing, next time will be in a couple of weeks. Usually we try to do every two weeks, but because of all the holidays, we're aiming for Cholomoyt Sukkot, Leinadir Mirz Hashem. Have you ever heard that one light can banish the darkness? Well, it for sure is true. Did you ever hear about the exhibit in Yad Vashem that gets reflected all around a person? It is the children's memorial at Yad Vashem. One candle is reflected in mirrors all around a person as it sheds its light all around the person. The power of even one candle is fascinating. The power of one individual's light as well, their candle, their neshama is also astronomical. The power of one light, one candle, is truly amazing. As the high holidays in Sukkot are almost upon us, it's interesting to think about what the candles can do for us on each Shabbat and each holiday that are ushered in with candles and are used to remember the neshamos that were lost when we light them in preparation for the days that we say Yisker, especially over the high holidays and the holidays throughout the year. The question becomes, though, why do we light candles to signify the start of the holiday and of Shabbat, and of Shabbos? What is the point? What feelings are the candles supposed to give? For me, when my wife lights our house, our candles in our house, I feel a metaphorical feeling permeating the house, almost like an invisible blue light traverses the house to bring in the calm and the wonders of Shabbat or the holiday with its peace and calm. No matter how crazy the day, and I'll tell you, Arab Shabbat, Arab Yom Tov is always the craziest, always the busiest, you name it. I feel a sense of calm and peace permeate out the home when the lights, when the lights are lit. I feel the, president, the presence of the metaphorical blue light travel throughout the home. This is really a fundamental purpose of the candles, to bring Shalom Bayit in the home. Peace amongst the spouses, peace amongst the home, amongst the family. Additionally, as I learned in my online smicha program during this past year, lighting the candles on Shabbat especially signifies the two aspects of Shabbat, of Shabbos, remembering Zachar and honoring Shamor et HaShabbat. Zachor et Yom HaShabbos the Kacho, Shamor et Yom HaShabbos the Kacho, twice in the Torah talks about Shabbos, one time Zachar, one time Shamor, two lights for two aspects of Shabbos, hence the two candles. It further signifies that the married couple gets a candle for the husband and a candle for the wife, and there's a very prevalent minhag custom to add a candle for each kid in the family. So henceforth, Baruch Hashem, in our family, we light five. The essence of the mitzvah, though, is to light two. So many people, when they're away from their home, when they're traveling, a lot of times they'll light two candles. There's a fascinating story in the Gemara about Rabbi Akiva from Brachot 60b. We mentioned it in one of the other life lectures, but it bears repeating, especially focusing on the fact of the candle. 
The Gemara relates, like this incident, when Rabbi Akiva was walking along the road and came to a certain city, he inquired about lodging and they did not give him any. He said, everything that God does, he does for the best. Hakol Avid Rahmana Avid Latova. Everything Hashem does, he does for the best. He went and slept in a field. The great Rabbi Akiva, the great sage, had nowhere to sleep. He literally had to sleep in a field. What did he have with him? He had a rooster, a donkey, and a candle. A gust of wind came and extinguished the candle. A cat came and ate the rooster. A lion came and ate the donkey. So basically, Rabbi Kiva was all alone in the forest at night by himself with nothing left. He said everything that God does, he does for the best. That night an army came and took the city into captivity. It turned out that Rabbi Akiva was alone, who was not in the city, and had no lit candle, no noisy rooster, and no noisy donkey to give away his position, to give away his location, was saved. He said to them, he said to the people he told the story to, didn't I tell you everything that God does, he does for the best. I call Ovid Rahmana Ovid Latova. And his teacher, Nachman Shkamzu, who has a whole crazy story also we talk about in the Optimism Lecture, also talked about Gamzu Latova, called Avid Rahmana Avid Latova. But that's not the point here. The point here focusing on what did he bring with him? A donkey, a rooster, and one candle. Why did he bring one candle? Why not a candelabra? Why not a whole package of candles? Why just one candle? It turned out he had one candle to banish the darkness. And at night, that one candle was enough to move and push the darkness around him away from upon him. It blew out by a strange wind, leaving him in the dark. But in the end, losing his possessions, losing the candle, saved his life as the bandits went through the woods to the nearby town. Had they seen him, they would have killed him. But the point being, even that one candle, Rabbi Kiva had only one candle, can banish the darkness. The question is, how can we shine a little light in our lives? How can we use even one candle in our own lives to bring light to our lives and the lives of those around us? It all starts with lighting and thinking about the candles on Shabbat, on Shabbos, and on the holidays. Especially Hanukkah, which is my all-time favorite holiday of the entire year, where the essence is candles, the essence is the lights. There's something about the lights, something about the candles. Fascinatingly, candles are one of the only things that don't diminish when passed on to something else. There's an actual source for that later, Mir Hashem. As a candle, the flame of a candle is no less strong whether it lights its own candle, another candle, a hundred candles, provided that it doesn't burn out, it doesn't run out of wax or oil or anything like that. We should think how we can light our own souls, how we can bring light to others and stay aflame ourselves, realizing that we won't be diminished at all as well by helping others and those around us, especially as we start the new year in just a few days. H.com points out with Lori Palatnik, It seems there is something special about the act of lighting Shabbos candles. It is a touching picture. The woman bent over the flames in prayer, a kerchief covering her head. One of the strongest symbols of the Jewish people, candle lighting encompasses what is central in Judaism, the Jewish home. 
It is a moment steeped in tradition as one may remember one's own mother lighting or one's grandmother or the Jewish woman who have been lighting candles every Friday night for 4,000 years. It is a powerful link to Jews everywhere, one that until recently remained unbroken in every home, in every land. Customs vary, but in a family there are always at least two candles burning, one for the wife and one for the husband, like we talked about, a symbol of shalom bayit, peace in the house. Many add that one candle for each child, as each is an additional blessing, each a source of new light coming into the world. It is how the Shabbat begins, with special light, special understanding as to who we are and why we are here. For Shabbos is our time to connect with Hashem, to connect with God when we stop creating in order to recognize that there is a Creator. The entire week, we are caught up in a hectic pace, running this way, that way, non-stop, where it is easy to think of only personal accomplishments and individual achievements. Yet once the candles are lit, it is a time for love of God, remembering that everything is from Him. It takes but a few seconds to do, but is by far one of the deepest expressions of the Jewish soul to recognize Hashem, to recognize the Almighty and appreciate this special gift He has given us all, a gift we call Shabbat. Listen to this story from Fear No Evil by Natan Sharansky from New York Random House in 1988 from pages 306 to 308. In December 1980, Natan Anatoly Sharansky was spending his ninth Hanukkah in Soviet prison. Sharansky was serving in a Siberian labor camp as a prisoner of Zion. In his ongoing efforts to retain his Jewish identity under the cruelest of conditions, he fashioned a small wooden Hanukkah menorah with which to light the Hanukkah candles. On the sixth night of Hanukkah, the authorities confiscated the menorah. A camp is not a synagogue. We won't permit Sharansky to pray here, they said. What follows is Sharansky's account of his response. I was surprised by the bluntness of that remark and immediately declared a hunger strike. In a statement to the Procurator General, I protested against the violation of my national and religious rights and against KGB interference in my personal life. Sharansky says that he was summoned to Major Osin's office two days later in the evening. Osin pulled a benevolent smile over his face as he tried to talk him out of his hunger strike. Osin promised to see to it personally that in the future nobody would hinder him from praying that this should not be the concern of the KGB. Then what's the problem, he said. Give me back the menorah as tonight is the last evening of Hanukkah. Let's celebrate it now. Taking into account your assurances for the future, I shall end the hunger strike. Let me celebrate it now. But a protocol for its confiscation had already been drawn up, and Osun couldn't back down in front of the whole camp. As he looked at this predator sitting at an elegant, polished table wearing a benevolent smile, Sharansky was seized by an amusing idea. Listen, I'm sure you have the menorah somewhere. It's very important to me to celebrate the last night of Hanukkah, Sharansky said. Why not let me do it right here and right now with you? Olsen thought it over, and promptly the confiscated menorah appeared from his desk. He summoned Gavrulik, who was on duty in the office, to bring in a large candle. I need eight candles, I said, and Sharansky talks. In fact, he needed nine, but when it came to Jewish rituals, he was still a novice at the time. Gavrulik took out a knife and began to cut the candles into several smaller ones. 
Sharansky arranged the candles and went to the coat rack for his hat, explaining to Osin that during the prayer he too must stand with his head covered and at the end say, Amen, Amen. He put on his major's hat and stood. Sharansky lit the candles, recited his own prayer in Hebrew, which went something like this, Blessed are you, God, for allowing me to rejoice on this day of Hanukkah, the holiday of our liberation, the holiday of our return to the way of our fathers. Blessed are you, God, for allowing me to light the candles. May you allow me to light the candles many times in your city, Jerusalem, with my wife Avital, Sharansky said, and my family and friends, Sharansky ended. Shransky added, And may the day come when all our enemies, who today are planning our destruction, will stand before us and hear our prayers and say, Amen. Amen, Osin echoed back. What a powerful way to fight back and light up a life. What strength of spirit and character seen here and not to Sharansky's story from his life. We too must use our lights on Shabbat and holidays to infuse spirituality into our lives and use our own inner flames to light up ourselves, our surroundings, and those around us. H.com points out with Rebson Weinberg, the light at the end of the tunnel is bright. It breaks the darkness. Shabbat, Shabbos, also breaks the darkness. It is not just a day when we stop working. Shabbat is the day of the candles, the day of light, the day when we clearly see our purpose in this world. Shabbos is the day on which we see we have a soul. The soul itself is called a candle, the candle of God. God willing, we will see that source too later in Mirz Hashem, It is the light of the world. It infuses spirituality into the body and into all materialism. Without the spirituality, the world would be in a state of darkness. It is the soul that connects human beings to God. Similarly, Shabbos is the soul of the weak. Without Shabbos, the world is a body without a soul. Shabbos also gives us an extra soul on the Shami Yaseira. You can almost feel the extra soul on Shabbos permeating your being if you look for it and cultivate it. During the rest of the week, one soul is powerful enough to receive the available holiness. But we need two souls to handle all the extra holiness that enters the world on Shabbos. It is all too easy to ignore the extra soul and the extra spirituality that is available every Shabbos and to spend the day just eating and sleeping. We need to ask ourselves, though, is this the most efficient use of an extra soul? The author once heard it said that it's much easier to overcome internal conflicts on Shabbos than all week because during the week the odds are one against one. One body versus one soul. But on Shabbos it is two against one. Two souls versus one body. On Shabbos, we have a real chance to be more in control. The candles draw us to each other and they draw us to God. Our soul is drawn to Him and vice versa. Shabbos is a love song. It is romance. It is a date between Hashem and us. Remember on Shabbos, don't concentrate on your food. Concentrate on your date, your connection with Hashem. Shabbos candles also create peace in the home. How? People enjoy the Shabbos food more with the added light, and there is something deeper. Candles connect people on a spiritual level. Souls don't fight. Bodies fight. Candlelight evokes a soul connection between people, which creates real peace in the home. Shabbos reminds us that there was a creation and a creator. Just as Shabbos comes after six days of work, our ultimate connection to Hashem comes in the world to come after years and years of work. This is clarity. 
This brings sanity. Human beings ask, what are we living for? The light of Shabbos answers for an eternity of light, warmth, and closeness to our loving God. Shabbos is the goal of the week, not merely a rest stop to prepare for the coming week. In truth, we work all week long for this day of pleasure. We work all week to rest on Shabbos. There's even a tradition to count the days in anticipation of Shabbos. We're getting there. We're almost there. We're here. It's like a bride counting the days to her wedding, not because the wedding will mark the end of her preparations, but because it is the goal and the beginning of the next step. That's what we also should think about when we say the Shir Shalyom every day. It revolves around Shabbos. Hayom Yom Rishon Lashabbos. Hayom Yom Sheni Lashabbos. Living as revolving around Shabbos. Don't ever think, don't ever say, Ah, oh, Shabbos again. Oh man, is Shabbos already? Six days went by so fast already? No. Ah, amazing it's Shabbos again. I'm so happy it's Shabbos again. I feel such pleasure when Shabbos comes and I could stop and I could rest and I can enjoy living as revolving around Shabbos. We should realize what a blessing it is to have Shabbos. I remember once trying to explain Shabbos to a non-Jewish co-worker maybe or a non-Jewish worker in the DOE and they said, wow, you have this celebration every week, no technology, no worrying about work, just sitting, resting, eating, praying and relaxing. What a concept. I'm kind of envious, kind of jealous. We should realize what a blessing it is to have Shabbos and the candles should remind us weekly, what are we burning for? What are we yearning for? What is our passion? What is our purpose? As we usher in the new year, think about how to go about this. H.com points out an inspiring quote that it is noted that Rabbi Yisrael Salanter said, the founder of the Musra movement, who once said, as long as the candle is still burning, it is possible to work and to repair. As long as the candle is still burning, it is still possible to work and to repair. Other versions point out, as depicted by Dr. Miller on H.com, that the quote is, as long as the candle is still burning, it is still possible to accomplish and to mend, still pointed out from Rabbi Yisrael Salander. The question is, where did this quote come from? So H.com points out with Dr. Miller, one night, Rabbi Salander was walking home past the home of a shoemaker. Despite it being very late, he observed the shoemaker was still busy working by the light of a single candle. Again, a single candle being strong enough even late at night to banish the darkness and to allow the worker to have enough light to work by candlelight with one candle late at night. So too, one soul can banish the darkness around us. Rabbi Yisrael asks him, why are you still working? It is very late and soon the candle will go out. The shoemaker replied, as long as the candle is still burning, it is still possible to accomplish and to mend shoes. In his wisdom, Rabbi Salanta realized this message is true for all of us. As long as the candle is still burning within us, it is still possible to accomplish and to mend.
as long as the candle, the fire, the neshama is still burning within us, we should be zochah to have 120 years of the candle burning, it is still possible to accomplish and to mend. It's never too late to change. There's always what to accomplish as long as the neshama burns within us and we have life each day. There's still much to accomplish, much to do, much to fix. Rabbi Pakus points out on H.com, many years ago in Israel, there lived a couple with a little girl. Because the mother was afraid to have her daughter travel via public transportation, they sent her to a nearby religious school, though they themselves were not religious yet. There, the girl learned of the beauty of Torah and the beauty of Shabbat. Incessantly, the girl would ask her mother to light Shabbos candles, and the mother promised but did not do it. She would get home late or be out with her husband, but never get around to lighting those candles. The girl decided that she would light them herself. She went to the corner store and asked the storekeeper for two candles. Knowing that hers was not a religious family, the storekeeper figured that she must want yardside candles, memorial candles lit on the anniversary of the passing of one's closest relatives since even the most non-religious Jews still liked them. When Friday night came, her parents were out, so the little girl lit the two candles before the sun went down. When her parents returned, they were shocked to see the two yardside candles lit. They woke up their daughter to ask the meaning of the two candles. The daughter sleepily replied, Since you wouldn't light for me, I lit for you. Think about the power of that statement and what she lit. The Yurtzeit candles. She lit Yurtzeit candles, but her parents were alive, but their neshamas were not fully lit on fire. The daughter answered, Since you wouldn't light for me, I lit for you. You gotta catch the inspiration when you can. Don't let it be lost. Don't let the neshama die within you, God forbid. You have to let the neshama catch fire. She was lighting for them because the neshama was not around, was not existent, was not being put on flame. Of course, they had their neshamas, they were alive, but they weren't spiritually alive, so she lit for them. You wouldn't light for me, I lit for you. We don't know the end of the story. I really hope that the parents started lighting. I can imagine that they did. The author also doesn't know. We sure hope that the parents started lighting, the mother started lighting. But the point is that if parents want their children to love being Jewish and eventually to marry someone Jewish, they have to give their child children a warm Jewish home. Your actions and your attitudes are your children's heritage. If you love Judaism and live it, likely so will your child. Shabbos is essential and probably the best place to start. Parents are often puzzled by their children don't have the same feeling for Jews and Judaism that they do. The answer is simple. Emotions and feelings do not transfer in the DNA. You know what does? Actions. Actions speak way louder than words. We are a product of our experiences. That's why we feel and believe as we do. Speaking philosophically or philosophy and intellectual appreciation do not touch the heart of a child. Do not transfer a love of Judaism to the next generation. If we want our children to feel positive about being Jewish, they have to see it in the home. They have to see the actions, feel the actions, experience the actions, and partake in the motions and sense the joy and partake in it themselves. 
kids learn far more from the actions they see than the words that they hear. Do as I do, not as I say, is really a saying that we should apply to life, especially for kids, how it should go in life. My kids, personally, need to see me act. They need to see me clean up, pack up, cook, get ready for Shabbos. And they, too, will want to be involved. Often the kids help me prepare the food for Shabbos, help me put the toys away, pretend to clean around, throw out the garbage, and set up food for Shabbos, especially that butternut kugel that they love. You have to do. You have to act. You can't just talk about it. You have to do it. You have to be involved. They have to participate. How will kids learn to help out? By seeing what you do and helping you, participating with you. You want them to help clean, clean with them. You want them to help learn to do laundry one day, help them do it with you. Help them put away the dishes and whatnot with you. They have to be involved, hands-on. And as an OT, that is very core to what we feel like as OTs. Also, it's all about the action, the participation, not about the talking. It's about being involved in the activity, in the task, in the occupation itself, especially of Shabbos. Do as I do, not as I say. If someone is on the path to being inspired, start with the Shabbos candles. Have the kids help you set them up. Oftentimes, one son will help me put in the little tin foil situations under the candles. Another kid will put the candlesticks in the candle tin foil, and then I will light them before Shabbos, which is a, an idea to let them easily catch fire when, when your wife lights. And this way they're involved. Let them help you set the table. Let them help you set up the plastic on the table. If you use it like we do, let them help you be involved. Even with starting with the Shabbos candles to help them help you. Help them help you. Let them watch, if not past their bedtime, the beauty of the candles and their glow. Their souls will be sure to be inspired. Rabbi Leff points out on H.com, why do we signify Shabbos', Shabbos entry by lighting up the lights? Imagine yourself going into the kitchen in the darkness of the night looking for a midnight snack. The lights are off. You cannot see anything in the room. It's so dark, you can't even find the light switch. You can't see or access that snack that you desire even though it's sitting right there. The food is ready to be eaten, but as far as you are concerned, it doesn't exist because you are steeped in darkness. What happens when you find the switch and turn on the lights? A brand new room, midnight snack included, emerges. Our sages refer to the physical world as darkness. It's a world that's, that's olam hafach. They talk about in the Gemara how a, a sage talked to another sage that went up to Shemayim and he came down in a dream and he said, what did you see in the next world? And he said, this world and next world, you see the complete opposite. Those who are up in the Olam Hazeh in this world were down in Olam Haba in the world to come. And those who are down here were, were up in the world to come because everything is darkness, everything is backwards, everything is superficiality. The people that are lauded here in modern society, the actors, the entertainers, that's, that's very lowly in the next world. There's not real spiritual accomplishments it's a vanity, and it's not being involved in a, in a good purpose in the world, in the true essence of doing mitzvahs, Torah, and chesed. But the people, even a simple water carrier who's steeped in kindness, steeped in, in chesed, that's a person that's great in the next world, even though it might be seen as lowly, quote-unquote, in this world. Because this physical world, the sages refer to as darkness. 
Spirituality is present in the world around us, but it can be very difficult to find. All too often, we're in a dark room. And what do you need in a dark room? You need that one candle, that one light, that one brightness to banish the darkness, to make the dark room not so dark anymore. On Shabbos, we turn on the lights and see the spiritual dimension that has always been there. When we light candles welcoming the Shabbos, the spiritual light of the world turns on. Now we can see what we truly yearn for, holiness, meaning, and sanctity. When we light the Shabbos candles, we turn on the lights of our soul, and spirituality becomes clear. We feel God's presence and His involvement in our lives with the appearance of the Shabbos Queen, Shabbos Malkasa. That's why we say Boishol and Boishol, Likra Shabbos Hamalka. We're greeting the queen. They used to go out to the fields to to bring in the Shabbos Mamash, dancing in nature. We talked about in a different a different lecture. On Shabbos, we don't merely physically rest. We take a mental break from our busy and stressful work week. We increase our serenity, our prayers, our song, our Torah studies, and our kindness. All become energized. With the lights on, we are inspired to live, to learn, to love. We spend time with our children, our families, the most important people in our lives. With the lights on, we realize there's no such thing as not having time for something important. We must make the time. We must make the time. We all make time for things we recognize as being crucial. When was the last time you went without eating an entire day and not talking about a Jewish fast day? We need to learn to see what are truly the crucial things in life. On Shabbos, we internalize the idea that sometimes we're so busy driving that we don't stop for gas, and then we run out of gas and burn out the car. On Shabbos, we rejuvenate and reconnect so we can inspire others. With the lights on, we understand that while sometimes it is what it is, we have the ability to change what it is and to make it better. On Shabbos, Hashem always leaves the light on for us. Make sure the light in your life, the light in your soul, is aflame and turned on. Soak in the light within and around you to truly grow in spirituality and make good, big, wonderful changes this new year as it approaches us speedily in a few days. The Talmud and Shabbos says one man's candle is a light for many. You can be that one candle that ignites many around you. How can you go about doing so? Lauren Shapiro points out on H.com that the Havdalah candle with its many strands woven together is a complex symbol of Jewish heritage. The various threads, the mundane and the spiritual, the past and the future, come together to ignite a single burning purpose the continuation of Jewish life. It also represents a family in the way that the many individuals are intertwined to unite as a single flame that is brighter, stronger, and more enticing than the several smaller parts. I would also say that it represents the Jewish people all intertwined. We're all one unit. We're all one people, like we talked about on the Parsha show this week, how we're all standing together we're all spokes of a wheel, we're all spokes of a bike, we're all in the same ship of life. One person makes a hole under their seat, the whole ship will sink. You can't say it's my seat, my problem. We're all one single flame, one single unit, 
of one single candle of the Jewish people? What can you do to contribute to the Jewish flame and to your flame? But now here's the catch. Performing the closing ceremony only makes sense if we've kept the Shabbos. It's entirely appropriate. The first thing Hashem did during the creation was to create light. The last thing he did was to rest, Shabbos, so the two have forever been linked. The Shabbos is seen in with candles, so it is fitting that it is seen out with candles. The author, Lauren Shapiro, explains that as a married woman, she now lights her own candles on Friday nights. Both the ritual and the spiritual aspects appeal to her, to the author, especially the magnificent silver candlesticks from her grandmother, the ancient words uttered by generations of Jews inviting peace and holiness into the home, into our homes and our lives. Nowadays, it's all too easy to take for granted the power that light in its various forms plays in our lives. Shabbos is a constant reminder to be grateful for these things. Shabbos is a time to think about the things that bring real light into our lives, not superficial light. Firstly, with no electricity, and of course that means no TV, DVD, VCR, PVR, no computer, no car, no cell phone, no smartphone, no internet, no light available at the flick of a switch, we are left to contemplate life without these conveniences and to appreciate them. We are left feeling less powerful and haughty than our modern lives allow us to believe we are. Secondly, the Shabbos is a time to think about the things that bring real light, real light, into our lives, like family, friends, nature, and knowledge, and of course Hashem. Without these, all the conveniences in the world couldn't give our lives meaning. This in itself is a gift well worth accepting. Fulfilling Shabbos the right way isn't easy, but the rewards are great. The load may seem heavy, but the Havdalah candle reminds us that to carry it is light. As the symbolic light at the end of the tunnel, the special candle has bound the Jews together through centuries and it stands as a testament to our faith. The candles usher in and usher out the Shabbos. Some have an idea to light two tea lights after Hamdullah to extend Shabbos a little bit into the week, which we actually try to do, Blineder. The candles show how we need to burn bright doing the Jewish way of good deeds, Torah, mitzvot, and chesed in our own lives to make the world a little brighter. Listen to these stories from H.com with Nesano Safran. I've got it, Steve backpedaled to catch the high spiraling football that his friend John had lobbed his way. I've got it, I've got it, yuck, the boy groaned, realizing he'd stepped on a paper bag filled with greasy food trash somebody had dumped on the public playground. That's gross, Steve declared. There's garbage everywhere. How can people just trash this place like this? Yeah, I know what you mean, John agreed. This mess, the mess really takes the fun out of being here. I wish. Even as he was speaking, a kid sipping a soda walked by, casually tossed his empty can just feet from where they were standing and continued merrily on his way. The two boys stared at each other, amazed. Enough! Is enough, Steve steamed. I'm gonna change things around here starting now. What are you gonna do? What am I gonna do? I'm gonna go scream at that kid to pick up his mess. But John dismissively waved his hand. It won't work, he said. Wanna bet, said Steve. If the kid doesn't pick it up, I'm gonna make sure he wears it as a hat. No, what I mean, John went on, is that screaming at people will only make the situation worse. 
even if the kid does pick it up this time, he'll go out of his way to do the same thing tomorrow when you're not looking. So what do you suggest, Ives, flailing his hands, do nothing and allow this playground, this whole neighborhood to stay one big disgusting mess? Not at all, John said. I'm all for action. Just that it's Hanukkah time now, you know, a time of light. So how about instead of fighting the darkness of people's bad trash habits, we'll add some light instead. With that, he bent down, picked up a candy wrapper, three cigarette butts, and a doll's head, and carried them over to the nearby, practically unused, trash can. There. The playground's a little cleaner, he smiled, wiping his hands. Let's go get some more. Steve stood with his arms folded, watching John, who had fashioned a makeshift trash picker-upper from an abandoned board with a nail sticking out of it, go around the park, snapping up trash and dumping it into an empty plastic bag he found. He thought John had gone nuts, but soon, he didn't know why, but the kid's enthusiasm was contagious, and Steve, too, grabbed a similar board and began his own rounds. They were too busy to notice, but soon a small group of kids had gathered around to watch the unusual sight of people cleaning up a mess instead of adding to it. You're welcome to join us in Project Light, John beckoned them with a friendly wave. It wasn't long before the spectators turned into participants. One kid had run home to get trash bags. Another gave out rubber gloves. Even the kid who had tossed out the soda can had joined in. Soon Project Light spread beyond the park into the neighborhood sidewalks and alleyways. And by the end of the afternoon, the kids and the smiling, grateful adults could hardly recognize their newly clean neighborhood. We better get home. It's getting dark out. We have to light the Hanukkah candles, said a tired but happy John. Hey, right, smiled Steve. I hadn't even noticed it was getting dark outside since, thanks to you, we've been adding so much light. It all starts with you. It's, it all starts with small, even seemingly insignificant actions. Add a little light instead of darkness. Use your candle, your power, your abilities, your own two hands, even in small, simple ways, to make change and to do good. As in the story, who was going to clean up if not the boys of the story? Who then inspired those around them to do good? As Perke Avos teaches one of my favorite quotes, Bimakum she'ein anashim hishtada lehiyot ish. Bimakum she'ein anashim hishtada lehiyot ish. In a place when there is no people, where there are no people standing up, doing good, doing the right thing, or doing anything, and there's a space, a void of something that needs to be done, you stand up. You do it. You become that man or woman, and you make sure you step up, you be that person, and you do it. Shine a little light in different ways, in different actions. You could shine a little light by being a light to others to visit and cheer up even one sick person in a safe, cautious, proper way, nowadays especially. Even a a sick person in a hospital or outside, wherever they may be, recuperating, as in in another story from H.com with Insano Yoel Safran from the viewpoint of the main character. The van would be turning into the hospital parking lot any minute, and I had absolutely no idea what I was going to say. When the school social worker first came around looking for volunteers to go visit the sick kids, kids who were sick, and the local children's hospital, I figured I'm a pretty upbeat kind of guy. 
And if I could spend an hour and cheer up one of the one of these poor kids who were stuck in the hospital, why not? But as we got closer, I got more and more nervous. After all, any kid who was so sick he had to be cooped up long-term in a hospital ward was bound to be really down and depressed. How could I possibly say anything that would make him feel better? I and the other volunteers got out of the van and they told each of us which patient to visit. Mine was a kid named Johnny Green in room 706. It said on the paper that he had been in a bad car accident, Lowellino, and had already been in the hospital for more than three months. Boy, was he bound to be down. I only hoped I wouldn't make him feel any worse. I nervously approached the room, but when I got there, I breathed a sigh of relief. Ah. <sighs> It seemed like the patient wasn't there. There was just some kid sitting there about my age, wearing a sports t-shirt and a baseball cap, laughing out loud as he read a comic book. Must be the guy's brother or another volunteer, I figured. I walked in. Uh, I'm looking for Johnny Green. Are you also here to visit him? The kid turned to me with one of the brightest smiles I had ever seen. Yeah, he said with a laugh, <laughs> but I get to visit him every day and nights too. Huh? I walked closer and started getting confused. Why was this visitor sitting in a wheelchair? Oh, wait a minute. Are you, I mean, he stuck out his hand with an IV tube sticking out of it. Johnny Green in the flesh. And who do I have the pleasure to be meeting? I introduced myself and we began to talk. I had prepared a whole cheer-up speech to say, but never got around to it. It seemed Johnny was also a Patriots fan. Once we got talking football and all sorts of other regular stuff, I would have almost forgotten that I was in a hospital room if a nurse or a doctor didn't come in every once in a while to give Johnny a pill or check his blood pressure. Lunchtime, Johnny, announced a tall nurse as she wheeled in a tray of steaming food. Should I help you? Thanks, Sheila, he said with his thousand-watt smile, but I think I'll be okay. I have a friend here today. He looked at me and smiled. Um, Gary, do you think you could uh, give me a hand getting to that sink over there? Sure. Tell me what to do. He handed me his crutches and I held him up by the arm as he slowly made his way across the room. I could hear him groaning uh, in pain uh, with each step, yet the smile never left his face. Johnny, I said as we walked, how do you do it? How are you able to keep yourself up and smiling in spite of everything you went through and are still going through? He gave me a funny look as he bent to wash his hands. You got it all wrong, Gary. I'm like this because of everything I went through. He must have seen the shock on my face. Please just help me get back over to the wheelchair and I'll explain. Before the accident, I was just a regular kid and not a very cheerful one either. In fact, you could say I was pretty down on life. Then one day, we were just out on a family trip and the next thing I knew, I woke up in the hospital. I had broken a lot of bones, and first I could barely move or even talk and the doctors didn't know if I, would, if I ever would either. Um, could you please help me lift up the drink? If I do it alone, I'll end up wearing it, he laughed. Like most people, I had been moving my hand without thinking about it all my life, and it was no big deal, right? But you know, the first time I was able to move my hand after the accident, I felt a high like I had won an Olympic gold medal. I realized what an amazing gift it was to be able to move your hand or even have one. 
it's still not 100%. But you should have seen me a couple months ago. I helped him lift the cup and felt my hands start to tingle as Johnny continued. Then I started seeing other things different too. I used to complain if my mom didn't make exactly the food I liked, but then I discovered what a gift it was to be able to eat anything. You know, at first I could only drink a little water and had to eat everything through this tube in my arm. Now, as you can see, I'm up to soup and ice cream. Doing okay, Johnny? Asked the nurse, popping in head. Great, he smiled. I have an excellent health. I blushed as he went on. I had always been kind of grumpy and a loner at home, but here are all the nurses I needed to help me with every little thing, and that made me realize what a gift it was to have other people around who were willing to help. I gulped as I remembered the not-so-nice parting comment I had made to the hard-working serving lady about the lunch in school that day. I'm not telling you it's been easy, Gary. It hasn't. But in a way, this accident has been the best thing that could have happened to me. One thing I do know, at least as far as my attitude goes, I'm way healthier now than before I got here. All visiting students, please return to the main lobby, came the announcement crackling over the intercom. The time had flown, and as I looked into this amazing kid's glowing face, I could see that he meant every word he said. We shook hands and made plans to see each other again. I got back out to the van and the social worker turned to me. Hey, Gary, how did the cheer-up visit go? Great. The kid really cheered me up a lot, I smiled. I thought he would be surprised, but he looked like he understood exactly what I meant. Even one visit to a person who is not great shape can change your life and their life for the better. Taking your candle to make the world shine a little brighter doesn't have to be an earth-shattering thing. Small steps, small actions can make all the difference in the world to make it look much more light. And here's one last story about a simple way to shine a little light to the world from H.com again with Nisano Safran. It all started when Andy was playing in the parking lot behind his family's condo. He noticed a kid he knew from the building walking his bicycle in the direction of the big blue dumpster at the corner of the lot. Andy did a double take as he watched the boy calmly lift the bike up over the mouth of the dumpster. Hey, what are you doing? Andy cried out. The boy looked his way. I'm just trashing this old bike, he said. My dad just got me a new 15-speeder for my birthday. The bike didn't look so old to Andy, and it certainly did not look like trash. Is there anything wrong with the bike, he asked. The boy, feeling a bit on the defensive, answered, Well, er, one of the tires is flat, and the seat is loose. I just don't need it anymore, he added. Andy shook his head. What a waste of a good bike, he thought. Since he didn't need a new bicycle, he was about to go back to his game when a thought struck him. He remembered seeing in the paper that a local group was conducting a toy drive and asking people to donate used toys and games to needy children. Hey, do you mind if I take the bike, he asked. The boy shrugged. Be my guest, he said. As far as I'm concerned, it's trash. Andy wheeled the green three-speed bicycle to the side of his house. He ran in to get a couple of tools that his dad always let him borrow. A few turns of the wrench later and the bike was as good as new. We, meanwhile, Andy's friend Rob had been curiously watching him at work. When Andy told him his plans for the newly repaired bike, Rob got very excited. What if I tell you where there are about a hundred bikes we could fix up and give to needy kids, he said brightly. Andy looked up as his friend explained. 
My dad owns Herman's Secondhand City. It's a big salvage company. He has all kinds of used and broken down stuff there. Just yesterday, my dad pointed to this huge pile of broken bikes he has and mentioned he doesn't know what to do with them since nobody wants to buy them. I'm sure if we tell them that we want to fix them and give them to those kids, he would be happy to let us. Andy loved the idea. When his friend called him back to tell him that his dad agreed, they planned to meet early the next morning. With tools in hand, the two friends approached the big tangled pile of bicycles and started to pull them apart. Surprisingly, a lot of them were okay and just needed some air in the tires. Many others they were able to fix up with a few simple transplants. A tire from here, a handlebar from there, a seat from there. When Mr. Herman saw how into the how into this project, how into it the boys were, he brought them a few cans of spray paint that really made the repaired bikes shine like new. By the end of the day, the boys had redeemed nearly 20 bikes from the trash. Mr. Herman called up the toy drive group, which was delighted to send out a truck to pick up the bikes. The local newspaper even sent a reporter to write up a story about it. The next day, Andy felt really good when he saw the picture of him and Rob in front of the bikes under the headline, Young Heroes Turn Broken Bicycles Into Recycles. He realized how much good he had prevented from going to waste. When we think about the candles and how it ushers in this special day, whether it be Shabbos or holidays, we should think about how to shine a little light into the world with whatever we can do. It doesn't have to be outlandish. It doesn't have to be anything crazy. But we should do what we can in any small way to make the world a little more good, a little more light. Shine a little light in your life. Taking a cue from the candles we see weekly and the holidays about how to light up our surroundings. In fact, we look at at Mishle and we could see in Proverbs, uh, we look at we look at Proverbs, right, Mishle, and we see that the Pasik says it's actually one of my Pasukim that I say every day in Shimon Esrei for Natan, my Hebrew name. It starts with a nun, ends with a nun. Ner Hashem Nishmas Adam The life breath of man is the lamp of Hashem, revealing all his innermost parts. The light, looking for the light, looking for how to reveal things and bring things out. I take this to mean that I need to be involved in different projects with Torah, with the audio podcast and whatnot that I try to do. We have to realize that the life breath of man is a lamp and Hashem is a flame, is a lamp also in our lives, using the Torah as a lamp. Mishle also points out, the first Pesach was from 2027, this one's from 623, Ki ner mitzvah the Torah or the mitzvah is a lamp, and Torah is the light, and that's the point. Our whole existence, our whole fabric, and our whole framework of being religious Jews is to light up our lives, to light up the world around us, of the people around us, the world around us with good, and with spreading the flames of kindness. Shabbos 25b talks about in the Mishnah, Rabbi Yishmael says, Kindling a lamp on Shabbos with tar is prohibited. The Gemara asks, what is the reason for this? Rabbi said, because its odor is bad. The sages issued a decree pro- prohibiting the use of tar, lest one forsake the light and leave. Abai said to him, let him leave. What obligation is there to sit next to the light? Rabbi said, because I say that kindling Shabbos lights is an obligation one is required to eat specifically by that light in deference to Shabbos. Good smelling light. Good looking light. The proper light. Shabbos 23a also points out, Rabbi Shulman Levi said, All the oils are suitable for the Hanukkah lamp, and olive oil is the most selective of the oils. Abayi said, 
At first, my master Rabba would seek sesame oil. As he said, the light of sesame oil lasts longer, doesn't burn as quickly as olive oil. Once he heard the statement of Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi, he sought olive oil because he said its light is clearer. Its light is clearer. And that's another point. Make sure to avoid materials for the candles that are ill-smelling, ill-looking, or ill-fitting for the candles and for our lives at large. Don't do actions or behaviors that are ill-smelling or ill-looking as well, as we are supposed to enjoy the light of the candles and produce good light for our deeds and for the lives of all of the people of the world around us. The Rambam Maimonides points out in Mishnah Torah and Shabbos, the lighting of Shabbos candles is not a free choice, to light or not to light as one chooses, nor is it the kind of religious performance that an individual is not called upon to make a special effort to render, such as preparing an air of courtyards or washing the hands before eating. It is rather a duty binding on men and women alike. They're obligated to have lamps burning in their homes on Shabbos Eve. Even if one has nothing to eat, let him go begging at the doors, buy oil and light a lamp, forming an integral part of Shabbos delight, Oneg Shabbat. And Vayikra Rabbah points out another interpretation of command the children of Israel Bar Kapara said, It is you who light my lamp from Psalms. The Holy One Blessed said to Adam, the first man, Your light is in my hands and my light is in your hands. Your light is in my hands, as it says in Proverbs, we just said the lamp of the Lord is the soul of man. My light is in your hands, as stated in Vayikra, to light a continual lamp. Hashem is saying, If you light my lamp, I will certainly light your lamp. If you light up the world, I will make sure the world is lit up as a result of your action. You do good, good will come about because of that, Hashem tells us. And that's another point. It is our duty, our obligation to light the candles, to light up the world with light and with goodness. What can you do to help contribute light to the world? Think of your talents and abilities and use them for good and light up your surroundings. Gabarin Sanhedrin 32b talks about how the sages taught when the Gentile authorities issued decrees, outlawing observance of the mitzvahs, members of the Jewish communities devised clandestine ways of indicating observance of mitzvahs to each other. For example, if one produces the sound of a millstone in the city called Bernie, this is tantamount to announcing, week of the sun, week of the sun, meaning there will be a circumcision. If one displays the light of a lamp in the city called Beror Hayil, this is tantamount to announcing there is a wedding feast there. There is a wedding feast there. And that's the point. Sometimes our lighting of the flames and lighting up the world may seem to be at great risk and needs to be done in a safe and cautious way. Make sure to be wise in how you light your candles and how you light up the world around you. Gemara Shabbos 119a points out that Rav Huna Kindled lamps in deference to Shabbos. Rav Papa spun the wicks for the Shabbos lamp. Rav Chista cut the beets in preparation for Shabbos. Rav and Rav Yosef cut wood, and Rav Ezeira prepared thin sticks for kindling. They were all involved in some aspect of getting ready for Shabbos, especially the candles. And Shabbos 119b points out, a bride taught Rav Yosef Bar Yehuda said, Two ministering angels, very famous, escort a person from the synagogue to his home on Erev Shabbat, one good and one bad. When he comes to his house, if he finds that the candles are lit, the table is set, and his bed is made, the good angel will say, May it be the will of Hashem that it should be this way the next Shabbos as well. The bad angel is forced to answer Amen against his will. That's the idea of Shalom Aleichem when we say, Shalom Aleichem, Malachi Hashares, Malachi Elyon. They come with us, they escort us. Hopefully, they see a house that is calm, that is peaceful, that is the candles lit up. 
when we're mentioning the angels of Shabbos and Shalom Leichem, when we say Bolachem and Barchoni and Seitzchem, come with us, stay with us, and then leave us, we're hoping that it will also be a good Shabbos every week, a blessed Shabbos. And that's another point. Make sure to usher the Shabbos in with your being, involved in it in whatever way possible. Such as helping with cooking, helping with cleaning, helping setting up the table and the candles. Be involved so the good angels can come to your house and bless it as well, so you can usher in a beautiful, restful, peaceful Shabbos and holidays every week. Rashi points out on Bamidbar, why is the section dealing with the menorah juxtaposed to the section dealing with the dedication of the princes of the tribes? Because when Aharon saw the dedication of each prince, his mind grew weak, as he was not among them in the dedication process and ceremony. Not him, not his tribe. So Hashem said to him and smiled and said, Your task will be grander than theirs, for you will light and tend to the candles of the menorah. Which is a great privilege. Rabbeinu Bachaya, Rabbeinu Bachaya, Bachai says in Shemot, this is why it is incumbent upon a woman to pray to God at the time she lights the Shabbos candles, a commandment which is especially addressed to her, that he may grant her children who will learn Torah the merit acquired by lighting the Shabbos candles, which provide physical light, helps her children to become Torah scholars. And that's another point to remember. The lighting of the candles is a real zechus and privilege and is a powerful thing. Remember to honor the candles and do it in the best way possible. Orchot Sadikin points out, and this is what we were talking about before, a point-blank source for wisdom is like fire, which never dims. Even if you light many candles or another fire from it, it never dims. And Rashi points out in Kohelis also, like a candelabrum from which many candles are kindled and none of its light is diminished. A candle is one of the only things you could light candle after candle and the light of the candle itself, the flame of the candle itself, is never diminished. You can light so many candles, you never lose out from the original candle itself. It is not diminished. And that's the point. One never loses out by lighting a flame from a candle to another one. It never dims or diminishes or grows weaker. So too one person never loses by kindling another person's soul, bringing them closer to Torah by doing chesed or tzedakah or good for another person or by doing Torah learning and helping other people connect you won't lose out you will not lose out you will not diminish on the contrary you will only gain and get stronger like that candle never diminishes you yourself will never diminish Lakuti Maharan points out when you raise up the candles the seven candles shall shine towards the face of the menorah Rashi explains the flame shall rise up on its own and that's another point help people by teaching them Torah, support them however you can till they can become self-sufficient, till they can rise up on their own, till they can stand on their own, whether with money, job, learning, or things related to Torah and a Judaic lifestyle and a Jewish lifestyle. Help them out. Be their crutch, be their cane, be their support until they can stand up and rise up on their own. The Legends of the Jews points out about Aisha Lapidot, about Barak, Devorah's husband. In order to do something meritorious in connection with the divine service, what did Barak do? He came, he carried candles at his wife's instance to the sanctuary, wherefrom he was called Lapidot. Flames. Devorah was Asha Lapidot, but Barak was called Lapidot. Why flames? Because he carried the candles. Devorah was in the habit of making the wicks on the candles very thick so that they might burn a long time. Therefore, God distinguished her, and she became a central figure in that, own, in that story of Devorah and Barak. 
The legends of the Jews also point out, I commanded you to light the candles in the sanctuary that I might distinguish you and give you another opportunity of doing a pious deed, the, ex the execution of which I will reward in the future world, but letting a great light shine before you. And furthermore, if you will let the candles shine before me in the sanctuary, I shall protect you from all evil, your spirit, the candle of the Lord. And the legend of the Jews also point out, when the 70 elders were appointed, the Spirit of the Lord came upon them. All the women lighted the candles of joy to celebrate by this illumination the elevation of these men to the dignity. They lighted candles to celebrate. Sefer Amida points out in peace, the Shabbos candles increase peace. And they also point out by children, through Hanukkah and the candles of Shabbos, one will have sons who will be Torah scholars. That's why we say in the prayer, of the Hiratsan, I believe, is Akeni Lagada Banamovne Banan. By lighting the candles, we hope to have children who are illuminated to be Torah scholars. And that's another point. The candles can increase peace in the home and be a merit for the whole family. Make sure to be involved in the mitzvah in whatever way possible. The Chuvot Marashal point out the statement of the Talmud referred to applies only to acts of religious significance as providing food, drink, clothing, or candles for the Shabbat. And lastly, the English explanation of the Mishnah and Shabbat points out they may not kindle the lights with cedar fiber, uncarded flax, or raw silk, a desert wick, or seaweed. The list in this section is of material which may not be used for wicks and lighting the Shabbos candles because it's not a good aroma and not a good light. And that's the last point. Use only the best for your candles and for your mitzvahs in general. Don't do it halfway. Be sure to put in all your all and elevate mitzvahs, doing them in a superb and beautiful manner as much as possible. So let's review the points and wrap up, and thank you for joining me for all this whole time. Our whole existence, our whole fabric and framework of being religious Jews is to light up our lives and to light up the world with good and with spreading the flames of kindness. Make sure to avoid materials for the candles that are ill-smelling, ill-looking, or ill-fitting for the candles for our lives at large. Don't do actions or behaviors that are ill-smelling or ill-looking as well, as we are supposed to enjoy the light of the candles, produce good light for our deeds and our lives and the lives of those around us and for the world. Sometimes our lighting of the flames and lighting up the world may seem to be a great risk and needs to be done in a safe and cautious way. Make sure to be wise in how you light your candles and light up the world around you. Make sure to usher the Shabbos in with your being involved in it in whatever way possible, such as helping with cooking, cleaning, setting up the table, the candles. Be involved so the good angels could come to your house and bless it as well so you could usher in a beautiful, restful, peaceful Shabbos and holidays. The lighting of the candles is a real zechus and privilege and is a powerful thing. Remember to honor the candles, Shamar and Zachar of Shabbos. Do it in the best way possible, realizing it also signifies husband and wife. One never loses out by lighting a flame from a candle to another one. It doesn't diminish, it doesn't get dimmer, it doesn't grow weaker. So too, one never loses out by kindling another soul, bringing them closer to Torah by doing chesed or tzedakah or good for another. You will not lose out, you will not diminish. On the contrary, you will only gain and get stronger. Help people by teaching them Torah. Support them however you can till they are self-sufficient, till they rise up on their own, till they stand on their own, money, job, learning, or things related to Torah and a Jewish lifestyle. The candles can increase peace in the home and be a merit for the whole family. Make sure to be involved in the midst in whatever way possible. Use only the best for your candles and for your mitzvahs in general. Don't do it halfway. Make sure to put in your all elevate mitzvahs, doing them in a superb and beautiful manner as much as possible. The candles signify for us the burning of the soul within and how we can ignite those around us. Make sure to be involved in whatever small way you can to shine a little light 
in your life and in the lives of those around you. Even visiting one sick person, cleaning up a park, or recycling perfectly good bicycles can shine a light to people around you. Holding the door for others, being a mensch on the phone or, or on the line at a store can make all the difference. As we approach the new year in just a few days, and we all sit and shul together regardless of job, regardless of position, regardless of rank, doesn't matter, we're all sitting together in life and sure we're all one nation needing to light up and make the world better. If we could light up the world, if we could show real peace, real ahavat chinam, love for one another, maybe we would finally be zochem to have the third base of Midrash made happen today. We know it was destroyed because of sin al chinam. It could be built because of ahavat chinam and ahavat lashan tov instead of lashan haram. Instead of motzi shem ra, motzi tov, motzi shem tov, finding to talk good and only doing good things and loving one another with baseless love. Start new good habits for the year. Think of ideas to implement for good this coming year. Think how to bring more candles, more flames, more good to the world around us. Use your light within you to light up the world around you. Shine a little light in your life and the lives of those around you and the world at large. The world will be much better as a whole for it. This has been the TTL, the Tiny Talks Life. The year where we talk a topic per session with some practical lessons. Join us next time, God willing. Hopefully in a few weeks, hopefully Cholamoid, where we talk the next topic. Blineder, thank you so much for joining us, and have a wonderful evening. And Shana Tova, Umetuka.